Hello and welcome to the History of Vikings. Before I introduce today's guest, I have two important things to tell you. If you enjoy the History of Vikings, then do me a favor and write me a review. I would love to hear your feedback. Secondly, if you have any good episode ideas, questions, or know someone who you think that I should have on the show, feel free to contact me as I would be delighted to hear from you. The easiest way to contact me is via my email address, which is noah at thehistoryofvikings.com. Again, that's Noah at thehistoryofvikings.com. Today, I'm joined by Stephanie Craig, amateur historian and travel enthusiast, as well as the host of the History Fangirl podcast. Stephanie travels around the world full time, visiting historic sites, hidden chapels, communist monuments, ancient cities, religious relics, or any place that is beautiful, interesting, or weird. About a week ago, I actually had the honor of being a guest on the History Fangirl podcast, and Stephanie and I talk all about the Viking history of Denmark, so be sure to check that out. That was a really, really great episode. I'm sure you guys would enjoy that. But Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for coming on my show. That was really fun. Yeah, no, that was awesome. That was great. So I've been a fan of your podcast for some time. And I actually listened to an interview that you did with Lee Accomando, who, of course, we had on our show of the Viking Age podcast. And I know he's been to some Viking related places before, but I've never actually been to any Viking related places in Europe, Scandinavia, Norway, Iceland, uh, anything like that. I actually just booked my trip next year to England, actually. So I'll be sure to see some Viking related places there. But I know you're a full time traveler. What are some of your favorite places like Viking related places that that you've been to and that people should really go check out? Well, first, congratulations on booking your first ticket. I think that travel is addictive and uh, the hardest one to purchase is your first one. And then they just get easier and easier and easier. <laughs> like because it just becomes so much easier to justify the money because you see how amazing the experience was and how much it affected you. So congratulations. That'll be super exciting. I'm excited to watch you and uh, hear what you guys bring back in terms of content. Um. So, so okay. So, so I'll back up. My very first trip abroad that I ever took, I had traveled very extensively around the United States, but I was in corporate sales and I always wanted to travel the world, but it just had never happened. It, it, not because I didn't have the money. Like I was, I was taking expensive trips. It wasn't, um, you know, like I, I didn't have kids and I had a corporate sales job. So yeah. it wasn't that I wasn't traveling, but I just, I didn't know how easy it was to travel abroad. And it's just something you won't know till you do it. But also it was just like a different time. Like the first time I went abroad was also the first time I saw someone get on Google Maps while we were walking around Istanbul. And the very first time I took a trip abroad was because uh, Mike Duncan, who does the history, well, now he does revolutions, but he used to do the history of Rome, uh, had a tour. And I, I was like, this is a once in a lifetime thing that I can't miss. I've been listening to his podcast. And it wasn't that he was going to Rome. It was that he was going to Istanbul it was like the reason that I was like, I have to do this because I don't know if I'm going to feel like I can go to Istanbul by myself. Of course, yeah. To me now, that sounds so silly because I'm going to Istanbul for my third visit in like a month. But it's it's just one of those things where you just got to, you know, rip the bandaid off and then it's easy. So after that trip, I was like just hooked. I was hooked and I had to go back. I had to go travel somewhere like immediately. And I, I literally had been home for like five days and I texted, I think on like an SMS text message because this was 2011. Uh, my best friend who lived in New York and I was like, we got to go somewhere. Where are we going to go? And it was like South Korea or Iceland. <laughs> like, obviously, the, 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 
two most normal places to go. Um, but Iceland is actually a really easy place for people from North America to travel to because even though it's technically in Europe, um, geographically, most people know that it straddles the line between Europe and North America. So instead of it is the easiest flight. So it's and also Iceland has had budget airlines since like the 70s. So while Iceland is a very expensive country to travel around, they usually have really good flight deals. And now the flight deals to Iceland are like nuts. But even back then, before the really the rise of budget airlines, um, you could still get really good tickets to Iceland. So um, I think we got tickets to Iceland for $6.99 round trip, which at the time was really, really, really good. Now it wouldn't be that great because Iceland has got just like insane deals. But at the time was the best ticket we could get anywhere. And I was just hooked. Like you go there and you, um, it's like you stand on a beach and you think like, there were Vikings standing here, but there's no like buildings or, or the only buildings you see are like turf houses or like, um, you know, beautiful churches that are like old style, um, white churches. Like the, the, uh, if anybody closes their eyes and thinks of Iceland, they probably know the church that I'm talking about, but I can't. It's a church in Vic. I don't know what the actual style is called, but you know, you just, there's a spot on the beach in Southern Iceland where if you sit and you look South, there's no land between you and Antarctica. And you just kind of think about the open sea and what it would have been like. And that there's a really good Vikings museum there. And, uh, also because every, uh, you know, everybody's names are, they still use uh patronymics. So people, you know, like if your father is Carl, Carl, you are whatever Carlson and you're, if you're yeah. Eric Carlson, you know, so it's just, it's, it's, wow. uh, it's got a connection with, um, it's past because it was so isolated for so long. And, um, when I went, it hadn't been, it was still pretty isolated because the internet was just really picking up, but now it's like nuts. And it's, uh, now it's like almost over. It is technically probably is over touristed, but it's still a great place to go. So that was my first time I did anything that was Viking related. And then my next trip, I was like, Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> So for my next trip, we uh, the next year we went to Denmark, Amsterdam, and Brussels. So we did Copenhagen, Amsterdam, Brussels, but we went to Roskilde, which you and I talked about, and I sailed in a Viking ship, which is super cool and super fun. Like you're in a fjord, and this like tall Danish guy is telling you how to row like a Viking, and there's other Viking ships in the fjord. And so I just feel like Viking travel is set up really well for experiential travel, which makes it more fun. Like it's not just you go to a museum, right? Like there are actual things to do. Like I, I've never sailed in a ship like Henry VIII or sailed in a ship like the Armada, but I've done it like Viking. And so it just has this like tangible fun quality to it. And this was of course like pre, like before the Viking show. So I knew the sagas, but I knew the sagas from, I believe it's Michael Drought's course on the Vikings, but I'm not 100%. I interviewed him a few weeks ago. He's like one of my all time heroes of like Viking, uh, Anglo-Saxon culture, all of that. I'm pretty sure it's his course, but I'm not 100%. But there's like a course on like Vikings and it goes through the sagas. And like at this point, Ragnar, Lothbrook was just like a person in a saga. I can't believe that he actually became a full-fledged character and we got six seasons of his family story. Like that's nuts. I mean, but I think it's hard for people now 
to understand that seven or eight years ago, it wasn't super cool to be into Vikings. Like it just wasn't. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like now yeah, I'm like, oh, I love the Vikings, but I didn't talk about Vikings. I just listened to it incessantly and I went places to do it, but I didn't talk about Like I never would have told my friends, oh, I love the Vikings. Cause what was that even? Like that was nothing, but now it's super cool. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like, and I think the show, like I, I honestly do think that the show has really been a positive thing for, for the Vikings. You know, maybe there's a few historical inaccuracies, but it's really painted a picture of what the Vikings visually looked like and, and who they were and what kind of lifestyles they lived. So I think the show has been great for us Viking enthusiasts in that sense. And I'm super interested. You mentioned Iceland because I never really thought about that. You know, it is kind of halfway between the United States and North America and Europe. So that totally makes sense that it would be less expensive and just pro- probably like an easier location for people who want to experience something Viking related for less of the cost. And I know a lot of people probably, I would assume most of the people in uh, Scandinavia as well as Iceland uh, speak fluent English as well. Yeah. So the English there is, I mean, Icelandic's actually potentially dying out because Icelanders will even talk to each other in English because they're all just so fluent. It's cheap to get there. Part of why it's cheap to get there is that it's not cheap once you are there. And so they're really trying to get people to go. However, if you're a smart traveler, Iceland's never going to be like a budget destination, but anywhere in Scandinavia is expensive. So you're comparing like Norway to Sweden to Denmark to Iceland. All of those are some of the most expensive places to travel in the world. But Iceland, you can make it cheaper per day because you can get that super, super cheap flight. Although Mm. Norwegian just opened up a bunch of super cheap flights to Oslo. So I haven't been to Norway yet, but Norway is never going to be a budget destination either. However, if you can can half the price of your flights on the front end, that goes a long way to bringing down your overall cost. So you can also look for deals. And some of the Vikings related stuff isn't as expensive. It's it's people that want to do everything. You know, if you go for a week and you want every day to be action-packed, It's really better when you're there to do like one night out for dinner, one night in cooking dinner inside. Um, That's one great way to save money in Iceland. And then one of the things about traveling in Iceland is just because they're so proud of their Viking culture and in a way that... So when I say like Vikings weren't cool seven years ago, not only were Vikings not cool outside of Scandinavia, Vikings weren't cool inside Scandinavia because they had, what had happened was because everyone became Christian and then took on the story that these pagan Vikings were terrorizing Christians, even the people who were the descendants of the people that were the Vikings just took on the perception that those were not good people or good qualities. And so it's it's only in the last few years that even within those countries, it's become super cool to be Vikings mm. and to be descendants of Vikings. It's, it's, um, and it's, and I listened to an interview with Michael Hirsch, who is the show uh, the showrunner and he was talking about how that is a phenomenon like when he pitched the show people didn't even nobody understood when he pitched the show why people would watch it but because he was Michael Hirsch he got to make it anyway because he had just had so much success and now yeah. it's like I, I imagine it's probably bigger than the Tudors or Elizabeth or his other work you know what I mean I think now yeah, it's oh, like his sure. premiere his premiere title but or uh, definitely bigger than the Borges but at the time it wasn't at the time it was super risky and interesting for him to do it. Um, 
I think part of why it works is because the saga source material is the story of individuals and it's a story of really interesting individuals and he brought them to life so well. But if you go back 2011, 2010, that's not what it looks like. And so going to the Viking museums and things, they had a lot of people there, but it was more on the like nerd side of people and not on the types of people that maybe are interested in it now. I just think that um, us like, like I'm like my show is history fangirl because I'm like weirdly obsessed with some parts of history. And so it's easy for me to just love it and go with it. But when I see like the rest of the world start to like a thing too, that I'm like, I, I kind of always shocks me because I'm always into like weird stuff. I don't know why anyone else would like the stuff that I'm into. For sure. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I think for people like you and me and just, I mean, all sorts of history buffs who have, you know, taken up an interest in the Vikings now is really an interesting time because like you said, before the show premiered uh, uh, quite a few years ago, I should only say a few years ago, the Vikings were really these people who were sort of under the radar. And yeah, but no, I think, I think that's that's really great that there's sort of this resurgence of Viking history and people, you know, honoring their their Viking culture and their Viking heritage and really being being proud of that. But, you know, we talked about Iceland before and, you know, I've done research on traveling to Scandinavian countries. And um, I mentioned that I'm I'll be traveling to England next year. And the reason why I chose England is uh, because I actually do have other historical interests outside of the Viking, <laughs> believe it or not. But yeah, there's also sorts of great things there. I want to see the Royal Museum and uh, the English Civil War stuff and um, some like Wars of the Roses stuff. And just there's so much. But for people who are planning on traveling to Scandinavia and to these these Viking related places, you know, I know there's a ton in basically any Scandinavian country, Norway, Sweden, Denmark. What are some like travel tips? Because I know this is your full time job. What are some travel tips? Um, just some like basic travel hacks, um, ways to save money that you would recommend to people traveling to Scandinavia? So there's so okay, so one of the best ways to find out where to go or like cool places to put on an itinerary is Facebook. So as a travel blogger, I like to say like, oh, all of the best tips come from travel blogs. But we get our tips. You know, I don't read 10 travel blogs when I make my itinerary for a place. I usually just go and ask people that are frequent travelers. Like, you know, I'm going like, so, so tomorrow I'm flying to Azerbaijan. So there's a group on Facebook that's dedicated to travel in the former USSR. So I just go, you know, go ask like, what's cool in Baku? Or more importantly, search for the in, inside there. There's a search box in every Facebook group and you can search for all the conversations people have had about traveling to a place. And these are, mostly frequent travelers or people that have at least been there and can give you real on the ground information. There's a group on Facebook that is really good called Scandinavia and Nordics Travel. And so if somebody is literally trying to put together an itinerary, especially if you're trying to figure out like, how long does it really take to get between this part of Norway and this part of Norway? Because guess what? It takes a long time to get between any two parts of Norway because it is, the roads are crazy because of the mountains. This is a group full of people that are very like seasoned travelers and not all of them have blogs, but if you, you can search the archives for your questions and then you can also ask questions. So if you, if you put in the term Viking, you'll get back people talking about different trips they had to Viking sites, but then you can also maybe ask a question if there's not enough information, like what are some cool Viking sites people have done? Um, so I just think using, utilizing social media is a really big one. And it's also one that I don't think people think about because I live in social media because of what I do for a living. If I didn't have social media, I'd be dead. But like my dad 
literally yesterday told me, I called him for Mother's Day. And well, I called my mom for Mother's Day. He's like in the background. And he's on Instagram. And he's on Instagram only. And he's not on anything else. And he's only on Instagram because I'm on Instagram. So you can see my travel photos. But like, so he goes, I'm not on social media. And I don't recommend people be on social media. <laughs> but like, really, <laughs> if you want to get like the hottest tips from people who know, you got to go where they are. And the internet is the best place to go. So uh, that's the main thing that people don't know is like that Facebook is full of thousands of travel groups that are all tailored for specifically the place that you want to go that are full of people that know the information. And you don't got to feel weird. Just search the archive first so you don't ask a question that maybe people have asked a hundred times but you don't have to feel weird that they're more seasoned the reason that people who are more seasoned are in these groups is because they love travel and and they love travel specifically to that area like i'm in about a hundred groups about travel to ireland because i love i'm obsessed with ireland you know i live in bulgaria so i'm based in bulgaria so i'm in a bunch of groups about travel in the balkans and i love telling people like that my bus from Mostar to sarajevo didn't stop for eight hours couldn't go to the bathroom had to yell at the driver when i finally was allowed to go to the bathroom it was like the world's most disgusting bathroom so like yesterday somebody threw up a question like you know do these buses have bathrooms and I was like girl not only do these buses not have bathrooms like you will not be allowed to go to the bathroom so uh just utilize the utilize the communities of people on Facebook that want to help you because they do sincerely want to help you yeah no that seems like a really great tip what do you think some of the biggest mistakes people make are when they, you know, book these travels to to these places. So specifically for Scandinavia, it's not understanding what the weather is going to be like when you're actually there. So we went to Iceland at the beginning of October. I've been to Sweden in June. I've been to Denmark in June and September. Those places, every place that I was of those four places, even though there were different parts of the year, I experienced two or three different types of weather. Like just there are days when it rains. There are days when it's super hot. Iceland in October, you really need a coat. My friend didn't, my friend didn't bring a coat and I didn't bring gloves. And so when you have to buy something in Iceland, you have to buy something that is made on the island or imported from very far away. So everything that you have to buy is expensive. So it's not fun to have to buy something like a coat to get your trip (laughs) to be fun, but you also can't freeze to death. So So you just really need to look ahead and know what the weather is. And that's also a good, like Google what to pack for Ireland or Iceland in the winter. If you go in winter, you know, there are blog posts and Facebook posts about all of the, whatever type of trip you want to take. Somebody's done it and written about it. So don't guess your way through it. Just go find somebody who has some ideas and really make sure you think through what your items for your wardrobe are going to be. And I would say lots of layers. Okay. And then the other thing is just people in general, this isn't Scandinavia specific, but it's uh, in general for people who are like first time real international travelers is they just put too much on their itinerary. They get stressed out and they don't get to enjoy any of it. And there are people who can handle really, really strict itineraries. But there are also people who just push through it because they think there's no other way to do it. And it's okay to put two things on your itinerary and leave your afternoon blank and just enjoy a stroll in the town. Or, you know, like you will find inspiration in in places you don't know about. Like if everything that you do on a trip, you knew you were going to do it before you went on the trip, that's probably a waste. You know, there should be something that surprises you. Yeah. I have one more tip. So when people are planning trips to Scandinavia, don't skip Finland. I haven't been to Finland yet. I'm really excited to go next year. But everybody that I know who goes says it's super cool. Don't skip it just because it's not like maybe on the traditional Viking path. And people who want to go to Greenland, I really want to go to Greenland. It's not for everybody, but... 
there, uh, Greenland is more accessible now than ever before. And so maybe if you, maybe you never even knew that people traveled to Greenland, like for fun, but there are tours to Greenland all the time. That's one thing that, you know, I don't really think about as well, because isn't Greenland, it's not its own country or is it? It's owned by Denmark, I believe. Oh, it is. Okay. And the way that you get there, at least as of a few years ago, this might've changed. The main way to get there is to go through Iceland. However, when I was in Iceland in 2011, going to Greenland was this really crazy thing and not many people did it. I now know people who run tours to Greenland who just have jobs like me, but they're like better. Like they've been in travel blogging a little bit longer and they have a more of a following, but they're not like... They're not actual like Arctic Trek specialists, right? They're writers and they're leading tours in Greenland. So it's more accessible now than ever. And I think that your audience, like if you're listening to a Viking podcast, you probably would find a trip to Greenland pretty dope. And I don't think people know that they can. I don't think the majority of people know that it's out there and like that it's travelable. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Lots of natural, natural beauty there. And is it um, Iceland or Greenland or is it both that has those like those gusher things, those, you know, hot spring things or whatever you want to call them that uh, the water shoots out of the ground? Oh, geysers. So I know yeah. for a fact that Iceland has them because the word geyser is the, is named that because the one in Iceland is like the platonic solid version of a geyser. And you can see that on what's called the Golden Triangle Tour, which is um, everybody does it from Reykjavik. It's a pretty, it's like one of those standard day trips where they take you to this, they take you to the geyser, you get to see it go a couple times. They take you to Gulfus Waterfall, which is beautiful. So windy. Wear as many layers as you can. I was so cold that day. And then I can't remember the third thing that's on the tour. Oh, Thingvalir. Uh, duh. Thingvalir. Ice, uh, Icelandic, where the Vikings had parliament. Yeah. Uh, so if you, and, and I can't believe, so like that's what Lee came on my show to talk about. I can't believe I haven't talked about it yet. So uh, Thingvalir is super cool for history lovers and nature lovers. So it's on the Golden Triangle Tour. If you want to see all three, you can do it. If you're such a Vikings fanatic that you really need to see Thingvalir for like a whole day and you don't want it to be just the afternoon, then uh, like go there by yourself or do arrange something else. But so that's where the Icelandic, or that's where the Vikings had their parliament. It's a national park. It's UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's also where the North American and European tectonic plates are pulling apart. So you can actually scuba dive in between the tectonic plates in the place that the Vikings had their parliament. I'm not scuba certified yet, and I'm a little bit afraid even if I get scuba certified to do it in cold water yeah. because I'm a baby. But <laughs> if you're like a true adventure lover, like that is a pretty cool thing to say you did and to experience. And the water I have pictures of the water from when I was there, just from above ground. The water's really beautiful. Wow. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving uh, me personally a lot of advice, a lot of travel advice for my travels that I will be going on next year and probably a lot after that. But where can people find you? So you can find me on historyfangirl.com. I have two podcasts. So I have the History Fangirl podcast, which is where I interview either a historian or an academic or a travel blogger about a, a place. And we talk about the history of the place and then we throw in some travel tips at the end. And then I just launched a new show called Rick Steves Over Brunch, where me and my friend Chris, who's another travel blogger, we watch episodes of Rick Steves Europe, and then we uh, just talk about them and break them down. And that's been super fun. Uh, the second episode dropped yesterday. And you can see those, both of those on my website, which is historyfangirl.com, Instagram, Facebook, historyfangirl, Twitter, it's a historyfangirl because somebody has 
the other one and she doesn't use it, which is super annoying. Facebook is really more where I, I live. And then um, I just started a new website about travel in the Balkans. So if you're curious about traveling to Bulgaria, Romania, Greece, Turkey, uh, lots of Constantinople, Istanbul content on the schedule, not there yet, but will be coming out in the next few months. Uh, that's over on sophiaadventures.com. You can't be a travel blogger if you don't have like three websites and like two podcasts. Oh, oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably, since this podcast has been pretty successful in the month and a half that it's been out, I, I'm afraid I'm going to have to start another one since uh, history is so addictive, but, uh, it's- but yeah. Crazy. Uh, what I like about the second show is it's fun to have a show where I interview people. And now it's fun to have a show where I have a co-host. And it, those are very different styles. Mm. And actually, the episode we recorded yesterday that's going to drop in a few weeks is uh, the Brick Steve's episode about Copenhagen. And he has some hilarious quotes. He said he calls the Danes like modern day Vikings gone soft. <laughs> Yeah, I love Rick Steves. I my childhood was filled with watching him on on PBS. Oh, mine too. One hundred. I think anybody that likes history and travel and things has probably watched a few episodes of Rick Steves. I I DVR'd like every. That's how I knew I really should have been doing this the whole time. Is like I was DVRing episodes of Rick Steves to watch after work. Well, again, Stephanie, I, this has been an absolute delight to have you on. Uh, perhaps we'll have to have you on again sometime. But thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of the history. Vikings, do me a favor and write me a review. I would love to hear your feedback. Feel free to contact me at my email address, which is Noah at the history of Vikings.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the history of Vikings. Mm-hmm.